I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Welcome back to Look Ma No Hands. I am your host, Laura Max Rose, and today I am bringing you one of the show's most beloved guests, Megan Burkle. She's the founder of Willow Crowns. If you are new around here, Willow Crowns started out as a bow and hair accessories company for young girls and has since evolved into much more than that. Tons of stuff on the Willow Crowns website and on the Hive app, which is connected to Willow Crowns for grownups too. And uh, Megan was one of my first interviews on this show and um, a repeated guest here. We love touching base um, pretty regularly. And it has been a while because both of us actually embarked upon moving with two young children. So we're going to be talking about that a lot in this episode. But before I introduce Megan, I want to thank her. Megan, if you're listening, um, you know, so many of my listeners actually came over here because I was interviewing Megan and they wanted to hear what she had to say. And she's just been such a supportive friend and guest on this show and brings so much light wherever she goes. I loved getting to talk to her about what we sort of described as like these parallel universes we were living in. Um, I moved to Colorado and she ended up moving to Dallas shortly after. But one of my favorite points that we touched upon in this show is that after this absolutely insane year that everybody had, um, it really is starting to feel like the light at the end of the tunnel is um, making itself known. And um, one thing I wanted to elaborate on, which I touch on in our conversation, is that, you know, most of us, the past year was really challenging. I mean, wherever you were, for whatever reason, because our entire world was shut down. But what I started to notice was that things we would often blame on a pandemic were actually challenging in and of themselves. So for example, the freeze in Houston had nothing to do with the pandemic, but was really challenging. Things just generally going awry. I don't know about you, but Megan and I talked about this in this episode that 2020 and the beginning of 2021 was just this year and a quarter or year and an eighth, if you will, in which it was just one thing after the next. Um, We put our house on the market, our buyers backed out. Then we found out we had to sell our home um, pretty immediately. We had to get buyers right away. Um, All of this, we found out there were termites in our house. When we finally did get those buyers, we had to do a tented treatment for the termites. Things that if they'd happened once, um, maybe in a three-month period would have overwhelmed me were just happening back to back. And so many people that I spoke with were experiencing similar things. When I was on Facebook, my newsfeed would sort of be like one horror story that somebody was going through after another, cars getting broken into, things just generally being off the rails. And I really do believe that collectively, as a society, as a universe, we were all really going through all of that at once. And that COVID wasn't necessarily causing all of these things, but that COVID was another one of these things that was happening as the result of a big abruption that... um you know, for whatever reason we experienced or had to experience. And that now, you know, when I talk to so many of you, it feels like collectively the light is starting to come back in, which I just, I'm so grateful for. My gratitude really knows no bounds. And um, in this episode, Megan and I talk about 
you know, the rainbow at the end of the storm. And especially in a year where so many of us just felt like, you know, is that rainbow ever going to come? Um, Are things ever going to get better? And what I found in my own life and what Megan talks about and what I've heard so many of you talk about is that the rainbow looks really nothing like what we imagined it would. I am living in another state now, um, but it's just, it's so beautiful and new and um, better than it would have been before. So um, I hope this episode inspires you as much as it inspired me. I'm so grateful to have you on here. And lastly, I just want to address that, yes, um, there were no Look Ma, No Hands episodes last week, even after I chimed in here and told you I promised I would get to doing two each week. But I realized something, which I also talked about in this episode, which is that for now, um, holding on to that promise doesn't seem to be really that feasible. And that that's actually a really wonderful thing. And I'm going to lean into that. And um, when I do have something to say, and when I have a great conversation like this one to share with you, I'm going to do it. Um, And I'm also going to honor that a lot of my life is taking place off of my phone and off of my podcast right now. And I'm going to soak that in because that's not always how it is, but it's that way for now. Um, And I just want to show up for that. Uh, Megan and I talked about, you know, sometimes when life is really great, you just want to talk about it and tell everybody. I've had many chapters in my life like that. And sometimes it's really great because you're just so present. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And just really wanting to to soak in um, where I am, my kids and the stage that they're in in their lives. And for whatever reason, you know, that sometimes means that I'm not as present online as I once was. But I felt very validated after having this conversation with Megan um, that I can just lean into that and let that be okay. Um, you know, Megan is way more present on Instagram than I am. Um, but even for her, you know, she's talked about how she's taken a step back and sometimes it's just like, you know, I've got a lot going on here that's in front of me that I can focus on. And, um, I don't have to validate everything in my life with a post or a share or whatever. And I I think, I think it can be very tempting to believe that unless we are sharing, our joy or sharing whatever's going on with us, that it's not necessarily really happening. But I just want to say to you and to myself that it absolutely is. Um, And that from my heart to yours, I wish you all the joy and happiness and contentment um, that the universe has to offer you today. And um, thank you for joining me and enjoy my conversation with Megan Burkle. Here it is. Well, it's been a while, but Megan Burkle is back on the podcast. Megan, welcome back to Look My No Hands. Thank you. I'm alive. (laughs) You're alive. And I'm so happy to talk to you. And it has been so much fun. I think the first time I interviewed you, even though I think it was not that much more than a year ago, if even a year ago, the first time I interviewed you, which is crazy how much has transpired. I guess our first interview was right before COVID happened because we did one in-person interview and then the rest of the interviews that we did have all been this way. And I've gotten to touch base with you at different stages and phases of our lives. And I think honestly, we've had this interview scheduled maybe five times and both of us have had to cancel because like we said before we started recording, it's kind of like we're living parallel lives. We both moved sort of in a COVID related way or at the very least as during COVID, which is a really unique experience. And the questions that I've gotten today that people are really wanting to ask is what that's been like and um, how we're doing. And I'm so excited to ask you how you're doing. Just looking on from Instagram, it's so much fun to follow you and all of your adventures. You have two accounts. So when, when I, usually in the past when I've interviewed you, you're, you're Willow Crowns and you've been 
sort of Instagramming um, as your business, doing a hashtag for Willow Crowns at Home, which is all of your home um, inspiration and adventures and um, things that you're finding. And I, it's like my favorite thing about following you. I absolutely love it. And now you've set, you've created a separate account called Willow Crowns at Home. And it's totally focused on that, which I have to say, it's probably my favorite account I follow. I love watching Aww. your event. I love Thank watching you. your adventures <laughs> unfold. And I'm so excited to ask you about all that um, in person today. So first of all, just tell us how you're doing. How long have you been in, in Dallas and what has it been like moving your two kids during this crazy, crazy time? So we're actually doing amazing. I wasn't expect. I, I knew that we would feel good about being here or we wouldn't have made the move, but I didn't expect that I would say to my husband yesterday, I think this is the happiest I've been in a full year. Oh, that's um, amazing. So we are very happy here and we've been here for two weeks, so it's still very new, but you know, not without some adjustments, mostly for our children. Um, right. Well, you but, have an older, you have an older daughter who's probably eight now, right? Yes. She's in second okay. grade. And so both of my children started new schools and initially we did not plan on moving mid school year. Right. Even right, after. It's so funny. I didn't even register that. Like everything is a huge jumble to me. You did move mid school year. Yes. I guess, Yeah. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And, I wasn't worried about my younger daughter, my four-year-old really at all. She is in preschool a couple of days a week and, you know, she's super, super fun and easygoing and, and I wasn't worried about her, but eight years old is a lot different and school is a lot different than preschool. So I definitely, once we, it became clear that we were going to be moving mid-school year, I definitely had some reserve. That was probably my biggest reservation was yes. and my biggest concern was how how is she going to do I'm picking her up I'm uprooting her entire life and plunking her down in a brand new school and situation and she doesn't even get a say and I had a lot of guilt about that but she's had a full week of school now and this morning she said to me let's go I can't wait to get to school oh my god that's so, the best feeling it feels so good. Like the one big concern I had, I feel like it's already, I don't, it's such a blessing. It could have gone either way. And I feel so grateful that she's doing well already. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you're that age, I moved when I was in first grade and I remember just having sort of like a tinge of sadness that I was leaving New York to move to New Jersey. And the second I started in my new school, I couldn't have cared any less, but that was kind of like, I think the youngest one would be to have had any sadness at all. I mean, my four-year-old didn't really understand that we were moving. So I didn't really have to deal with that element of taking her out of her environment that she was going to be sad. I felt sad because I loved her school in Houston, but, um, you know, that's totally different when a child is eight. And so that's amazing that she was able to start there and love it so much. Like what, what a gift. And I mean, I mean, in a year where I feel like I have been conditioned to expect the worst yeah, and to brace myself for what's going to go wrong next. Yeah. I, I almost like didn't even allow myself to think she would love it. 
Yeah, I totally get that. So it, I, I don't, I maybe I shouldn't be so surprised, but I just was, and I am so thrilled for her. Well, after this past year and you guys had, you know, several, there were several times where, you know, and you talked about this on the show, you were planning on moving and, and it didn't work out the way that you thought it was going to, or like there were different um, ways that this could, year could have unfolded. And there was like a lot of stops and starts, as you said, and I could totally understand why at a certain point you would feel that way. I even said to my husband, when you shared the photo of your kitchen. I was like, I am just so happy for her. There's that, oh, that sign in your laundry room. I told him that story about yes. the sign in your laundry room that says something about how well, you know better than me. So you can you can tell us about how whenever you're, go ahead. We When we were looking, so we actually didn't even start looking for a home in Dallas until my husband had actually started at this job because we'd had so <laughs> many false starts um, over the past year right? that we decided he would go to Dallas and I would stay in Houston with the girls and make sure that this job was going to move forward. Um, because I think so the, he was actually at the job for how long before you started looking for a house? A few weeks. Um, oh, it wow. was, so it's kind of a funny, funny story. I'll tell you, I guess actually only a week because initially he said, okay, I'm going to go to Dallas. And this was, in like late January. And I said, okay, I'll see you there in June because the kids need to, Olivia needs to finish her school year. And I'm not really ready to list the house and we'll just visit you on the weekends. You go get like a long-term hotel or something and we'll see you. Mm -hmm. And the second day he was in Dallas, he was staying in a hotel, his truck got stolen. Oh my God. Right out of the parking lot. And <laughs> sorry. It, Were you just it, like, what? No, because I was like, of course. Yeah. It was like, okay. Of course yeah. That would happen. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's just so in keeping with what our experience has been like this year. You know, so many things falling through, bad things happening. Mm hmm. But he was having a really hard week. It was his first week at a new job. He he told me, he's like, I feel like I am drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. And then this happened. And I was like, all right, we're coming up. We're going to come visit you. You need your girls. We're going to come lift your spirits. Like, we will be there. And we hadn't planned to go for another couple of weeks. Yeah. So we head up to Dallas and we get a hotel in this area called South Lake. And I'm driving around and I'm like, oh my gosh, this area is so cute. I love it. I love the homes here. Maybe I should just look at a house while I'm here. I have so, the chills. <laughs> so my <laughs> Houston real estate agent puts me in touch with someone in Dallas who's very, very well acquainted with the South Lake Keller Trophy Club area. Mm -hmm. And we went and looked at a house that night and I loved it and I put an offer on it. But even by like nine o'clock that night, I was just like, I know we're not going to get it. The market here is insane. Everybody's buying in that, in the neighborhood. Everybody is buying here. There's actually um, a huge, lots of big companies are moving their headquarters here. So there's a huge influx of people from like California that are just snapping up real estate left and right. And you have to offer a ton over asking to get what you want. Right. And I just, I just knew this house wasn't going to work for us. So I was laying in bed and it was 
probably 10 o'clock at night and I see this house hit the market with no pictures, <laughs> just a description. And it's in the area. And the thing that made me text my agent was that it said it was on an acre. Oh. And Ryan's whole thing has always been, I just want space. You know, ever yeah. since we left Maine, we've been trying to get back to privacy, which is, as you know, not very um, oh, in Houston, there's like no privacy. Like you feel like people live on top of you. Yes. yes. So he was like, I just want some land. I just want some space. And so I'm like, okay, there's no photos. It's on an acre. I mean, I, we're already here. What do we have to lose? So our agent, I, I mean, it had been on the market a minute and she got us a showing, the first showing for the next day. And I put an offer on it while I was standing in the house. And they accepted our offer within 15 hours of it being on the market. Oh my God. I mean, it's amazing that you hadn't seen any pictures because when you look at the pictures of the house, even before you touched it. So for those of you listening who have not seen this, it's on Megan's Instagram, Willow Crowns at Home. Um, it is literally like you painted it yourself. I mean, the blues. I, I would have done this house the way that they did it. That it's done. Yeah. So we go into the laundry room as we are walking around this house and there's a like this small little round sign hanging and it says um sometimes difficult roads lead to beautiful destinations and I was like oh my god this is my house this is your house this is why all of this is has unfolded the way that it has like this is my house and so by some miracle they accepted our offer And we went under contract on it that day. And a few days later, we listed our house, not expecting to. We showed it 30 times over the weekend. Oh my God. (laughs) And sold it. And a couple days later was when that big freeze hit in Texas. Well, I was going to ask you about that because you were by yourself. (laughs) With I your was two alone. kids in Dallas. Yeah, you were alone. I don't even know like how you gotta walk me through like this whole thing. Because first of all, I mean, I know people who were they were with their spouse and they've got their kids, and it was just like the worst nightmare situation. And then I see like these pictures of you, like you've got your kids kind of by the fireplace, and I'm starting to put two and two together, and I'm like, I think she's home alone. Like, I don't think you hadn't like announced that you were moving yet, I don't think. I don't know. I don't because know. I was alone. I was alone in the house with the kids for six weeks. Okay. And so <laughs> I was trying not to advertise that I was alone. <laughs> right. Um, obviously. I, but I'm thinking, wait, like what? And then you said something about how you had just gotten through this. So, so just tell, tell us a little bit about what that was like. And if you're listening and you aren't from Houston, we have, to, I've talked about this with a lot of guests on the show, but, um, as ever, as everybody knows, you know, Texas had this huge freeze, which to anybody who lives in any, you know, multi-season area of the country, it seems like nothing, but the infrastructure in Houston is just not meant to, um, withstand such temperatures. And it was absolutely, it was catastrophic. I mean, I said to my husband, I really, honestly, I would have rather gone through Harvey again than to have gone through something like that with our kids, because I don't know how I would have kept them warm if we lost power. It was, I mean, and this is coming, and I, this is coming from me. I grew up in Maine. You know what it's like to be cold. I know what it's like to have it be cold outside. Yeah. And I also know that the entire time I lived in Maine, 
I never went through anything like this. I lived in Maine and Massachusetts. I lived in New England for 25 years. And yeah. I think once ever, was there a situation even close to this? But I never went through something like this uh, because Maine is equipped. Right. And how long did you guys lose power for? I mean, was your was the inside of your days. house freezing? Three days. Three days. Um, it got down to like 39 inside our house, which is not freezing, but it's cold. Yeah. Yeah. And we lost the entire contents of our refrigerator and our freezer. So we're trying to find something to eat and you can't really go out on the road to find something. Because you can't drive a two wheel drive car on an icy road. I think people didn't understand that either. And it's not as if anyone salted the roads. I mean, they were sheets of ice. They were sheets of ice. And so we are low on food. We have no power. We have, um, water until a pipe bursts over the garage <laughs> and as your house is now for sale and like it's, it's under offer it's under so contract. I think it was on a Thursday that the pipe burst and we had our inspection scheduled for Monday okay and I was sitting in the driveway in the car with my girls because that's how we would go get warm and charge our devices was in the car yeah and all of a sudden, Isabel, my four-year-old, goes, Mommy, where is all that water coming from? There is water just rushing out from underneath the garage doors. Oh, my God. So I run inside. Thankfully, before all this happened, my husband called me from Dallas, and he was like, listen, if this happens, this is what you need to do. So I knew how to turn our water off. And so I go inside. I turn the water off. And even though I think I caught it within a few minutes... It was just the damage was done. And the entire front half of our garage ceiling ended up on the floor of our garage. (laughs) Oh my God, Megan. It's like the last garage garage, sort of, of like the hell year that had been. Thank God it was the garage and not, not inside the house, not inside the house. And so it was a horrible thing, but honestly, I have been so fortunate with, you know, this community we've made online, yeah. I posted about it on Instagram. And during this time, like you cannot get plumbers. You cannot get someone to come do sheetrock. I mean, people were giving estimates, like we'll get to you in April. And you had somebody out there like right away because somebody's day. husband so, was like a sheetrock person, basically. Yes. Someone reached out to me and said, Hey, I know a plumber, here's their number. So we got a plumber. And then someone else reached out to me and said, I have a sheetrock guy. Um, Here's his name and number. And I had so many people do that. I just contacted every single person I got the name for. And one morning I ended up having like three people show up to do sheetrock at my house. And I was able to send them down the road to my neighbors. Oh my God, that's incredible. We had so many people try to help us that they actually ended up helping my people on my street as well. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I totally identify also with like after the year that just transpired. And it's funny thinking about this right now, because as you were just talking about before, when you got to Dallas, you said to your husband, you know, I haven't been this happy in a year. I wonder, I feel like there's been a cosmic shift that's occurred just that the sort of 
hellish the, the repetition of hellish events was is really starting to 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 lift and and I I think that's a very mutually a mutual experience and like I think a lot of people are experiencing that I've sort of associated it with being in the mountains and having space like you were talking about and being able to breathe but it's reminding me of kind of where I was just a few months ago that something like that would happen for example when your husband's car got stolen or when the thing happened in your garage. And it was just like, yeah, okay. Um, okay. Let's, let's deal with this. And there were so many things that were happening over and over again, that you just couldn't really even process that it was hard. It was more about like, okay, another thing just happened. Like let's survive. Let's survive. Yeah. And, and not being in survival mode anymore feels like, um, like I have space in my head again and I'm not constantly dealing with these crises. Such an amazing way to put it. I really do feel like I have space in my head. And I I didn't feel that way, obviously, all of last year with, you know, COVID being new and then not new, but persisting. And then this whole process of moving here, I kept waiting for things to go wrong. I kept waiting for the house to fall through. I just, I used to operate more like, what if something amazing happens today? Yeah. And I really got into a headspace where I was like, okay, what, what, what horrible thing is going to happen today? I mean, how could you couldn't help? I mean, who could help that? Because it was just (laughs) happening all the time. And I sort of, everyone, we started talking about, you know, things in light of, you know, like what a hard year because of COVID. But as I kept talking about it, I kind of felt like COVID was this thing. One, one horrible event that happened in a series of horrible events during a particular year that like, you know, your, your house freezing wasn't COVID related. I mean, I guess you could maybe like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't COVID related and we did decide to move probably because we finally had, you know, our lives were shut down and I was finally willing to leave Houston because Houston wasn't what I remembered it being. And I didn't feel as attached to it. So yes, like our move wouldn't have happened if it weren't for COVID. But then when we did put our house on the market and our buyers backed out and we had to sell it and we only had like 20 more days left to do so. And like all that stuff was happening. That to me wasn't COVID. That was just like a really crazy year yeah. where everything kind of went haywire. And I do feel like collectively, everyone seems to be moving into this space of just having relief, um, which is wonderful. And um, I, I feel like we're here, but we're not the same people that we were before this year started. It's like that sign in your laundry room, you know, you are, you wouldn't have ended up in this home in Dallas were it not for this past year. And it's amazing. And it's been such a blessing for my family. And my husband loves his new job. Absolutely. Loves it. And that was kind of the impetus for this whole thing was he was not loving his job. And back in May decided we needed to do something different, even though it was a scary time to make that choice. And there were just so many times over the past year that we questioned our decision-making. Like, did we do something really dumb? Did we make a huge mistake? And he looked at me yesterday, we were the kids were in bed and we were sitting out on our back patio, which we now have, you cannot see a neighbor. <laughs> and you have your acre. It's so beautiful. It's and so beautiful. Got, they've put the, but the people who lived here before us, they had put bistro bulbs up on the patio and we each had a, you know, a drink and we just looked at each other and he said, was that not the best thing we ever did? Yeah. A, and yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And it was the thing that you thought you might have made a mistake in doing. And it was the thing that for eight months we were just like, <laughs> what? Okay. But, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it was a really, it was a really wild really wild time for us. I mean, for eight months, I was the only breadwinner and he was a stay at home dad. Yeah. That's really tough. It, it was mean, just a huge role reversal that neither yeah. one of us ever expected to take on. And right. it was all during a time where we were like, where will we end up? What will we be doing? The uncertainty plus both doing, you know, basically new roles within our like, family yeah. was very stressful. Um, yeah. but I really do believe difficult roads lead to beautiful destinations. It can be hard to keep believing that after it's been a year it or can. longer, it can. but here you are, which is amazing. Yeah. And so it's so funny when we moved, we moved just a little bit before you. So I didn't know that you were going to be moving and you probably didn't either when we first got here. And I actually, I mean, everything's just up in the air. We still have stuff in boxes. It's a very funny place to move to because this is, I live in a 5,000 person town, but like everybody and their mother's moving here. I mean, just like Dallas, people are just relocating, right? And so yeah. these construction, it's very hard. I mean, when you're hiring a construction company to renovate or to just do anything to your house, even to paint it or sand the floors or something very, very basic, um, there's just way too much demand and not enough supply. So it takes a hundred years. So I just had to kind of change my expectations. You know, we're not going to be like moved in and settled for way longer than I imagined, but I'm going to have to find, you know, that feeling of being settled in new ways. And one of the things I would look at, like when you would share, you know, scenes from your kitchen or whatever, and everything was in the right place. And I, and I was like, Oh my God, I just, I miss like my stuff being where I know it is. And uh, oh, like, I can't wait to have that. And then you said that you were moving again. Um, and you created this new account where people can kind of follow your, your journey of moving from one place to another. So you've always shared about, you know, your home and what you put in it and how you organize everything, but what made you decide to do it on a whole separate account? I was, I'm always fascinated by that. So one of the big kind of logistical issues, not even issue, it was never an issue. One of the big logistical items to solve with this move was what would we do with Willow Crowns? Right, because, because Willow Crowns is really based out of your house in Houston. It's been in my house. I have refused yeah. for years to get an office space because I don't want to have the overhead and I like the convenience. Yes, yes. So- I am very, very, very fortunate that everybody who works with Willow Crowns is someone I consider a friend and probably one of my best friends um, has been working with me for years and she was the person who knew about this before everybody else. It was her house. I lived at for like three days while I showed my house um, and she kind of like pitched to me. She was like, well, what if, what if I bring it here? Oh, and I was like, I couldn't ask you to do that. And she's like, well, I would really like to. And it, again, everything kind of works out the way it's supposed to. It really precipitated this conversation, you know, throughout our team about like, are you looking to try something different? You've been making bows for years. Do you want to do more product development? Do yeah. you want to do more outreach? Do you want to do more packaging, less packaging? And we, we kind of got to be flexible with the roles that everybody plays. And that's the, 
beauty of it to me is, you know, we're all stay at home moms. Flexibility is something we have to have. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to love their jobs. So we actually ended up tweaking a lot of different roles within the company. And we moved the bow wall um, into Jen's house. And she used to be slinging bows left and right, making them, and now she's packaging them and kind of our director of operations. And so that means that I am doing a lot less. It's awesome. I love it. I am not exactly sure what to do right now with, I have a tremendous um, shift going on. I, you said your company's running itself basically, which is the dream. Wow. I feel like I have space to breathe in my head now because like my business is not literally on top of my head all the time. Yeah. You're not having to spend your Saturdays packaging anymore. And neither is she because even though she takes a great deal of pride in it, there is a separation when it's not yours. Right. And so I think it actually puts everything in the place it's supposed to be. And it frees me up to be creative and design collections and to work on marketing and growing the business and, you know, new products. And it also gives me a chance to be really present for my family during a, even though it's a wonderful time, it is still a time of transition. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. There's so many moving parts. Yeah. So I decided, you know, I am doing this thing moving, which I can tell you, I never plan to do again. Um, you will probably, <laughs> you will probably yep. have to bury me in this house because I'm not leaving. Um, moving. I, I just, forward. Oh my God. I so hear you. Uh-huh. I, <laughs> I so am never you. doing it. Um, so I thought I'm only going to do this once. Hopefully um, I want to document the process and I just am kind of a sharer by nature. And it felt like I'm separating myself from the business a little bit. I mean, let's not get carried away. I still work every day, but yeah, there is a separation happening. And maybe this is a good time to see what it would be like to focus on other things I really enjoy. Yeah. And, and so, so many people who follow you on Willow Crowns, like even though they came for the bows, they kind of stay for the the home stuff, right? Like it's really, it's really for the organization and it's really entertaining. And it has to be kind of fun for you too, because you're probably interacting with an audience who's like solely interested in that. Am I right? Like when you are sharing on that account. I mean, these are my people. Yeah. They're your people. You've kind of honed in on your people. These people hate cooking too. Yes. They hate cooking too. Exactly. Even though for someone who hates cooking, you cook phenomenally well. I I really don't. I'm just really trying. Uh, (laughs) Like these are my people. They too are like, wow, why are there no appropriate clothes for eight-year-olds anymore? And I'm like, I know. Are there not? Tell me more about that. I don't know anything about what you're talking about. It's very difficult. I feel like after six years old to find clothes that are cute, but still appropriate. Like everything is cropped or sheer. Yeah. And really for an eight year old. Yes. Or like just like a sequin vomit on it. Like it's just <laughs> very difficult. And so, okay. So you can't go to target and get like the cat and Jack leggings anymore. Like you have like, there's more. Cause I, I guess I shopped at limited too when I was like eight, which was always very controversial where I was shopping. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a very transitional age. You are right about that. It's, it's like a very transitional age. And I, so these are my people. These are the things we talk about. These are the things that I share. And it's Willow Crowns is different. Like I, I enjoy, I enjoy it so much, but it is my business. It has to be a little more curated. It has to be a little more thoughtful. Right. And Willow Crowns at home, I can be like, who wants to see the inside of my laundry basket? <laughs> you can actually, and then the people who are following you are people who actually do want to see, like me. You know, I do. I really, I really do. Well, I was just remembering one of the things that you did since we last spoke, we haven't gotten to talk in so long, is you launched an app called The Hive, which yes. is the Willow Crown. So tell us about The Hive and tell us about how you thought about it and what it is. I, I get notifications on my phone from you like every other day. I love it. Tell us about The Hive. I- the app I am so excited about. Thank you for asking me about it. Um, I feel like one of the struggles for businesses is to reach their people. So here's an example. Willow Crown's Instagram has in the neighborhood of like 35,000 followers. All of those people made the choice to click the follow button, but not all of them see our contents. Right. And so... I thought, how do we reach people? You know, we obviously, we use email campaigns and um, we've gotten into like text messaging a little bit and things like that. But it was like, how do we reach the people who really want to shop bows and other products? And how do we address the concern that a lot of people have, which is, oh my gosh, I forgot there was a launch happening or Instagram doesn't show me your posts anymore. I didn't know there was a new product. Right. So with an app, we can reach people. We can reach with push notifications and people who have the app, they are people who want to shop. Those are our people. And so it was about accessibility. It has really increased accessibility to people who are wanting to stay informed about what we have for a purchase. And then the second thing was we started over the holidays kind of getting into, um, we called it Candy Cane Lane. It was a stocking stuffer site on our website that featured other small items from other women-owned brands. Which is much like the Hive. So that was kind of a mini Hive. And that was kind of the inspiration for the Hive. Right. I just loved it so much. I thought, wow, how cool that you can go to one place and let's say you put three things in your cart and check out. In one checkout, you've supported three different women-owned businesses. And so many people are always looking to support small businesses and they don't really know where to go to do that. There isn't like one place, like an Amazon for small businesses. And that's kind of like, I can pull up the Hive app and I can shop from all these different places and just check out one time, which is so awesome. That's exactly right. You know, so we'll do, we've done candles. We will do earrings. We just did these reusable grocery bags with like this beautiful hydrangea print. They sold out so fast. Um, And so that was kind of my idea for the hive. I was like, all right, the hive, this is going to be the place where it all happens. And it's a place where the hive, you can shop and you can shop with us. You can shop with other businesses There is a section on the app dedicated to my favorite things and outfit posts and things like that that people ask me about. There's a Willow Crowns at Home blog where I will share recipes that I get asked for most frequently. And it's just, 
And it just, the hive to me is our community. It's, it's this amazing group of women. And around the time we came out with the hive, we rebranded to use a B as our logo. And I felt like it was so appropriate that the hive be represented by the B because one queen bees, we yeah. all know who are in charge and it's the women and bees symbolize hard work and industriousness. And I just think about all the women in the Willow Crowns community. And that's what I think of. The queen bee. I love that. Queen bee. We are all hardworking. We are all industrious. We are all just like getting it done. And I feel like the hive is the place where we can all come together and support women owned businesses. So I'm, I'm, it's like my pride and joy right now. I'm, I'm so excited about it. Have you noticed a difference in the type of like in your, you know, traffic and your, and your website traffic and purchases just since moving kind of off of Instagram? Well, you're still on Instagram, but focusing more on the app as a sales tool. We definitely are making, I would say more than half our sales through the app, which I feel really proud of. That's amazing. Um, Cause you, I'm I mean, very- you just launched it. Yeah, it's, we just launched it in like late December. And yeah. So it's only three months old. <laughs> yeah. Still oh my gosh. <laughs> You've had a lot going on. It ha- We've had a lot going on, but it's it's just been really fun. And it feels like something, I'm always like Instagram could get taken away tomorrow, right? Like people get hacked, maybe Instagram implodes one day. I don't know. You don't know. But I mean, I think about that all the time. I mean, there are careers that are completely based off of a platform that you don't have any control over and the algorithm changes overnight. I'm very scared of that. So I wanted to have my kind of my career, my life's work live somewhere that couldn't be taken away. I like that. And I think, you know, I think Megan, that's very like forward thinking of you because I think a lot of people... I don't know. And and tell me what you think about this. And if you've noticed this, but I think there's this sort of collective realization that um, maybe it's just after this year that we've had, but like our lives are like really the most enjoyable when they take place in person. And that this platform is something that like is not, there's so many things that have changed on it, especially in the last year that it's like not really real. I mean, I mean, it's so fun to be on and, and to use and to enjoy, but that it can be taken away like at any time. And I think we've seen so many examples of that and people kind of want to have more control if they are going to, I mean, if you think about it, if you're running a business, which you are to have that little control over a platform that's responsible for so many of your sales probably isn't going to stay appealing for very long. I think people are going to move more in the direction you're going in. And I think too, that we, I have realized, especially since moving to the app, like I know that's where my people are, like from a business standpoint, my customers are app users. So right, I'm right. going to continue to use my Willow Crowns Instagram to um, give people insight into the brand. Like I think I would never completely abandon personal content on Willow Crowns. It's been a little I- imbalanced lately because of the move and everything, but I really do think it's important for people to know who the brand is, what the brand's identity is and who they are supporting with their dollars. Um, But I also think that living my life on Instagram, it's it's like you said, when you put it down and you walk away from it a little bit after that initial uneasy feeling, life does feel a lot more real. 
Yes. And yeah. so I will obviously continue to use Instagram to share things and to share the app and try to get as many people as we can who um, are bow buyers and love to support small businesses onto the app. But having the app as a tool to connect makes me feel like I don't have to rely on Instagram as much anymore. And both for peace of mind from the business standpoint and from just not feeling like life has to happen on Instagram um, is is a big relief in both of those ways. Well, I think it sort of also gives this feeling that like, you know, a lot of the times when I'm doing my best, I have nothing to say, right? But there's sort of this feeling that like, if I'm not saying something, I'm kind of not really existing. Like I'm like, I'm not validating like that all this stuff is happening. And similarly, I've also had incredible times in my life where all I want to do is talk about it. Um, but it's certainly not, yeah, I feel like, I feel like a lot of the work I have been doing lately, um, has been like behind the scenes work and it's not necessarily anything. Although now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, maybe I should share, (laughs) like I'm shopping, I'm shopping for products to add to the hive, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah we are planning, you know, collection shoots, those kind of things. I don't, I, I, and I, but I think as business owners, we feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't had like anything really exciting or monumental or beautiful to post lately. Does that mean that things aren't going well? And I just, right. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true either. I think there's so much value in like taking, I don't even want to call it taking a break, but just being where you are and like, do and like listening to your intuition. And I think, you know, if it feels intuitive to share about what's going on, great. But in the moments where it doesn't, your energy probably belongs wherever you're putting it. That's certainly been, you know, a lesson for me lately. I love putting it that way that your energy belongs, you know, somewhere else. I think that there've been a lot of times lately I've gone to pick up my phone thinking I should be sharing. And I just, Willow Crowns has been really quiet lately. Um, because my life for the past two weeks has been very different than it normally is. And that is, I guess, just a reflection that my energy has needed to not be on the internet. And that, which is a completely, I mean, you just moved. Yeah, absolutely. We have some questions that have come in over Instagram about your move, which I was expecting, um, preparing kids for the move. Our friend wants to know how you managed expectations and emotions, um, I want to know about that because I certainly uh, have some answers. So I will myself. say we told Olivia that daddy was starting a new job mm-hmm. and that he was going to be in Dallas for a while and that then we would be going. And, and Olivia is your youngest. She's my oldest, actually. She's, she's your my, oldest. Sorry. She's my eight-year-old. And she, I mean, she cried. It, I mean, because he was leaving for a while. And, and because the and she realized she was going to have to leave her school. Right. And right. that made me feel like a worm. Uh, I felt oh. so terrible. And I think the thing that made me feel better was my mom. She is so wonderful and wise. Um, normally, my mom is the one who you know, like as parents, like when our children get emotional and we have just been dealing with emotional children for a long time, I think as parents, we're typically the first ones to like throw our hands up and be like, you'll be fine. It's okay. You'll be fine. Right. My mom is the one who's always like, 
encouraging me to use more patience and be, you know, continue to be patient with her and continue to meet her with empathy and understanding. So when I told my mom, I was expecting her to be like, you should feel bad. What are you doing to my precious baby? You're making her feel sad. And instead she said, well, sweetheart, children do not make decisions for the family. That is so true. I was like, wow, that's really not what I thought I was going to get from you, first of all. Um, yeah. And secondly, thank you for giving me that perspective because it is hard for her, but I had to take a step back and realize like as her parents, we're obviously doing this because we think it's what's best for our family, what's best for her. And that could be very painful for her, but it's something, you know, you can be there to support her through those emotions, but you guys are the adults and you do make the decisions for the family. And that's part of her life experience. It's funny because knowing from what you've told me about your mom, that actually doesn't surprise me because you're her baby, right? So she was kind (laughs) of showing up for you. She always kind of like lays the law down for me. So she she gave me that perspective. And then I was able to give myself permission to not not that I didn't feel guilty, but to not feel like I had wronged her. Um, and I just said, as the emotions, we talked about it a lot. And when she didn't want to talk about it, we didn't want to talk about it. And I just gave her permission to feel however she felt and said, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel anxious. And then beyond giving her permission to feel her feelings, we just did everything we could to make it seem exciting and like an adventure. Um, We did these little treat bags for when we pulled out of the driveway, leaving our house, like kind of like, not that we're leaving our house, but like, Hey, let's open this fun little road trip bag and go to our new house. And it'll be so fun. Um, Just whatever we could do to make it exciting. I think what you're describing is just like this perfect balance of like validating her and then also like hyping things up and trying to make it, you know, as fun and wonderful as you can. I mean, that's just really beautiful, Megan, because I really, (laughs) I really do think like, and, and that's been a huge lesson for me lately is that I can't take my children's pain and discomfort away. I can't take their anger away. I can't take their frustration away. Um, but I can support them through whatever it is they're experiencing. And that can be such a challenging thing as a parent because first of all, it's hard not to take it personally. It's hard not Mm -hmm. to sometimes be irritated by it, especially if it's coming in the form of whining. Um, And it's hard to not feel like you have some level of control over whether or not they're they're experiencing these things. Because of course, if I gave you an Oreo instead of a cheese stick, you would be a lot happier right now. Um, But there are a lot of things in life that we just have to do as parents. I mean, Moving your family was something you had to do for all of you that will inevitably make everybody collectively happier because that's where your husband has a job and all these other factors. And like, that's what we have to do as parents sometimes, which I think is so challenging because we, we just want to make our, we just want our kids to be happy. But I think the best way to, to encourage them is not to structure our lives based off of what they want and need, which a lot of parents do, but is to really just show them that it's okay to experience things however they do and make it as good as we possibly can, like the treat bags. And that's a life school, oh, sorry, life skill for them, um, coping with difficult emotions. I think my mom has watched me as an adult through miscarriages and heartbreak and loss. She couldn't take my pain away. And I was an adult. 
And not once did she tell me, don't cry, don't be sad. And I feel like that's typically what I find myself like biting back when my kids are upset. I'm like, oh no, don't be sad. And I have to like constantly like, no, it's okay to be sad. How can we make ourselves feel better? Right. Like validating. I know I have the same thing, my friend. No, but we all do it. (laughs) But we all do it. And my hope is like, okay, this is an opportunity. Yes, it's it's a big change for my kids, but maybe this is an opportunity to teach them like in my eight-year-old, she's so awesome. She's so great. She's even said to me, I'm feeling anxious and I don't know why. Wow. That's amazing. I normally would be like, oh, don't feel anxious, which is ironic because I am like the anxiety queen. And (laughs) I know where she gets it from. And I just trying to move away from that and into, it's okay to feel anxious. These are some of the things that make me feel better when I'm feeling anxious. Do you want to try one of these things? And I'm like, okay, maybe this will actually teach her to cope with anxiety because it's something we all have to deal with children, adults. And instead of telling her, don't be sad, we're moving, say, it's okay to be sad, we're moving. What are some things we can look forward to about the new house? What are some things we can look forward to? And like, here are some of the ways that I find calm when I'm anxious. I mean, I remember my mom telling me that sleep, like when I didn't sleep, I was always you know, more hair triggered and like how important sleep was for me. And like, I don't think that that's something that I would have figured out on my own. But as I got older, I started to put two and two together. And when I was having a really hard day, I would start to ask myself, you know, have I slept well? Is is some of this anxiety because I'm exhausted? And just having that kind of self-awareness, I think that that's such a gift we can give our kids is showing them how they work. It is. I mean, I was irritated about something yesterday and I, I, you kind of learn to triage, right? You're like, okay, did I not eat something for lunch? Has it been six hours since I ate? Did something happen unrelated to this that I'm still bothered by? Like you, I, we've, it's taken me into my thirties, but like, I'm finally able to kind of triage my emotions and that helps me react in a more appropriate way. And so trying to teach that to our kids and using the move as an opportunity to do that. One of my favorite things to say to myself whenever I'm freaking out about something is halt. So my hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, H-A-L-T. I'm usually hungry or tired. There's one of those two things going on. Um, But I also think about that in terms of my own children. You know, when I pick up my, yesterday, you know, yesterday, my oldest was just really, um, you know, frustrated and fussy and everything was kind of causing a meltdown. And before I kind of went down the road of like, what's going on here? Like, why is this happening? You know, I realized that the night before it was Passover and she'd stayed up like three hours later than usual. And it's so easy to forget that. But um, it reminds me of, you know, there's this parenting coach that I've interviewed on here, Randy Rubenstein. And she always talks about, you know, before you react, investigate, like what, like for on behalf of your child, and then basically repeat that to them. Like, oh, you didn't really, you know, get sleep last night. And this is probably why this is happening. So they kind of start to understand some of that on their own. So it kind of, it it sounds like, you know, you're figuring that out, which is so amazing. Um, We have another question, which is um, less kid related, but more house related. Do you have any um, first and best things to prep for selling your house? And how did you juggle your business during your move? So I've only sold the one house, so I don't know. (laughs) It's enough. One is enough to make an expert. I do feel. It's enough to make me never want to do it again. 
Um, oh my God. How is it so hard? It just is I the just, worst with children. It's the hardest thing ever. And honestly, just like all of it. I just, I, I just detest the process. And I told my horrible. mom, I was like, this is horrible. And she was like, this is why people say moving is horrible. <laughs> yes. Cause it actually so, is. Yeah. I think that I don't know about my house, but I do know when I was looking at other homes, the less clutter, the better. I am not naturally good at seeing potential in rooms. Yeah. I'm actually not really good at seeing like what a coat of paint could do for something. And so I think the more you can do to help the visually challenged like myself, um, getting the actual clutter out, getting streamlined as possible. I, I think that's better. Fewer, fewer decorations and accents, I think is probably, um, huge. Wise. And then how did I balance it with my business? Um, I based, so again, I don't know if this is a common situation. We just showed it for three days straight and I didn't live there. I just like business was at a halt And I went to someone else's house because I just knew I could not keep it clean with my kids in it. That is such a good, I mean, if you're able, if you have the kind of house where like you are getting that many inquiries, because it sounds like, I mean, you had 30 showings and they were all together to do something like that where you're not going to be home. I mean, that was the biggest nightmare in the entire world for us was just, I have little children. So I would have the house staged for several showings and then they would come home for half an hour and it would take me two hours to, to clean, clean all the fingerprints that. off of everything. Yeah. I mean, it was just a disaster after just so, half an hour. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't worth it. So we actually, we were supposed to come visit Ryan in Dallas that weekend, but the storm was coming. <laughs> so we decided not to, um, but we did board our dog. Yes. Wise. Very good idea. Um, and then we, the did the same. And I, we would go to my friend's house for the day and then we would go sleep and I would have them sleep in my bed with me so that they wouldn't even go to their bedrooms. Yeah. And we only occupied the one room and then in the morning we would leave. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think, I think that's genius. I also think getting rid of like the clutter and the, I mean, the house that we ended up purchasing here in Basalt, it was on the market for two years and I'm thoroughly convinced that is because, well, for it's a very different market than it is in Houston. Um, so that's not quite the same statement, but it it was full of furniture. It was like jam packed with furniture and things that belonged to the former couple who lived here. It was their they, their whole lives were in this house and it required visualization. And it's so funny because the second we ended up moving in, I mean, our realtors were like, we've never seen anything like this before. Like this house would have sold so quickly if like this, the furniture just wasn't jam packed in here like this. And the second we put our furniture on the, um, the second we put our house on the market in Houston, I mean, the, for one of the first things we did was we just took like all the picture frames down. We put everything into plastic bins and like we had somebody actually come in who was part of the um, real estate agency to help us and like give us some direction and basically just like less is more so people can really see like the bones of the house. And yeah, I mean, I'm our, not a good visualizer. So yeah, it, I'm not either. I've never had to do anything like that before. Yes, I had to use my visualization skills hardcore. Um, and now it's finally starting to come together. It's funny. I, I'm so envious, you know, that you got to kind of like share as you're going along. I cannot wait to share like the before and afters of this house once we're actually able to get contractors in here. But um, it has been a real, it has been a real adventure, but it's, 
it's fun once you're finally in the house and you get to just breathe. You were, you posted that you finally slept through the night for the first time in a year when you were in your new home. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, because it, you know, initially it was all the COVID stuff and then it was like, what are Ryan and I doing with our lives? And then the whole month we were waiting to close on the house. It was like, what's going to happen to cost us the house. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, so when we finally like closed and moved in and we hadn't even closed on our other house yet, our Houston house, like that wasn't even off the table yet. Like we closed a week apart on the houses. I didn't even care. I was like, I just wanted to be here in this place with my family together where we're all supposed to be. And I slept like a baby. <laughs> you were, and your mom, didn't your mom come to visit you? She surprised me. Oh my God. Were you just like sobbing? I was beside myself. <laughs> I know how much you've missed her. You, you haven't I mean, seen her in a year, right? No, we, I haven't. And, um, she is vaccinated and I am vaccinated. So we Yay. felt like we could get together and, uh, what are now, you the most excited about now that you're vaccinated and this year ahead is in front of you? Because I know you were very, you were very COVID safe. I mean, you've really had like quite a year. So we what really are you the most tried, excited about? You know, we tried to, you know, be considerate. We weren't really necessarily concerned about ourselves, but more everybody around to you. other people. And we really wanted to, you know, just be able to keep our kids in school. Um, and so We've been able to do that. I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, but I'm most excited to like see my my whole family. Like we have not seen my sister since last summer. Wow. Oh, I mean, you and your sister I are really have, close. I have a new baby nephew I have never met. Oh my gosh. He's th- almost four months old. Um, and actually they are, um, we're all, you know, everyone's getting vaccinated now. Um, yeah. and so they will be here in three weeks actually. And we finally get to meet my husband's brother and his wife have their first baby and we finally get to meet him and we are hoping to travel home for the summer and, you know, see our, our families all together. I mean, it's just, I think you said earlier, and it's so true, COVID made this move doable for me because I think I was so used to kind of operating in a silo by now. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like I have my friends and I have my connections, yes, but life has looked so different and so socially scaled back for so long that moving to Dallas didn't feel like that different than living in Houston. I'm so glad you brought that up because I guess we talked about that actually before we were recording to anybody who's ever asked a question about moving. And I think a lot of people who are looking forward to this episode are excited to hear us talk about moving. Um, I've gotten so many questions from people who did what we did. Basically they've spent all of their, this whole past year somewhere else. And they're kind of wondering whether or not they should move there because they just want to stay put. And I think the hesitation is well, we're going to be like leaving all of our friends. And it's kind of like, if you're already there and if you're already thinking about it, it actually is going to be as easy of an adjustment probably as you imagine it would be because this year has siloed us. Like we haven't, it was just not what any other move has been like in my life. I mean, I came here and there was really no like giant emotional response to the fact that I was leaving this place, which you would have had to have dragged me out 
kicking and screaming. I mean, Ben, my husband had asked me many times to leave and I was just like over my dead body. Like I am never leaving this place. I mean, my relationships, my connections were so precious to me, but the year changed that. I mean, we're just used to kind of functioning in this way where we don't see people as often as we used to. And, um, things are just more virtual and we're way more nuclear, like in our own family. It is. is. And I, I found that especially once Ryan was in Dallas, our family not being together was harder than not seeing friends. You know, speaking of being nuclear, like our nuclear family, I call it my core four, you know, like your core four. Yeah. I need my core four and we need to be together. We, my husband and my oldest daughter are very, very close. That is a dynamic we have to have in our lives to, you know, have our family operate optimally. And when that's missing, it's hard. And I needed us all to be together. And I also just knew that I can maintain these friendships. We've had to do it for a year. We've had to maintain these friendships this way anyway. And I have felt so welcomed to Dallas. Like I cannot tell you the people who have bent over backwards to welcome us here. So even before we moved, people were doing that and reaching out. So I never had a minute where I was like, oh no, this is going to be too hard. That's amazing. Is that people that were following you like on Instagram that lived in Dallas or like, yes. Or like people I knew in Houston who had moved to Dallas before us. Yeah. um, Who are here like customers, um, we, we have um, a babysitter already. Someone recommended that they, they loved and she came and the girls absolutely loved her. And I saw you guys got to have a date night. Yeah. I mean, it's just been like, we haven't done this in months and all of a sudden we're in Dallas and we have a babysitter and a date night and we can go somewhere. I, that's exactly, I mean, that's how I felt when I moved here. I have to I tell just, you, like, I felt like I had more help and more resources. It's, it was it's waiting really, for me. I just feel like, it all kind of comes together the way it's supposed to. And that is how I have felt about this move to Dallas. I I miss my friends dearly, but you know, we made Houston our home. It's not where we had family. We made it our home. And so I, I had every confidence and I still do that. We will make Dallas our home. It sounds like you really already are. I'm so happy for you, Megan. Thank you so much. I love catching up with you. I mean, I could talk to you for hours. I know. Truly. I, know. I promise it won't be so long until we, <laughs> we talk. Yeah. Again. We're going to have to get the catch up because as I see things unfolding in the house, I'm going to have lots more to ask you about. Um, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for coming on. And um, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Look My No Hands and I've been interviewing Megan Burkle. She's the founder of Willow Crowns. You can follow her on Instagram at Willow Crowns and now also at Willow Crowns at home. Both are wonderful and so worth following. And I look forward to joining you again next time. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. 
Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time.